0: you're listening to audio from Pleasant Valley Community Church. For more information about Pleasant Valley, visit our website at pleasantvalley.cc. Luke chapter one, Uh, but before we get into the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth, I'm reminded of a movie Annie and I saw several years ago called The Vow. It is a 2012 romantic drama starring Channing Tatum. Easy, ladies. Uh, and also Rachel McAdams, perhaps best known for her role in The Notebook. Uh, Be still, Annie's heart. Let me think about The Notebook. And the vow though, is inspired by the story of a real-life couple, Kim and Cricket, carpenter mcadams plays uh the the woman who had a car accident and suffered a brain injury so that when she woke up from a coma in the hospital she forgot everything all of her memories were erased including the fact that she was married and so all throughout the movie it's depicted her husband is is like don't you remember me like don't you remember our wedding day don't you remember uh our when we got engaged and the honeymoon and she's like i don't i don't know you i don't know you and so it's, it's so sad all throughout the movie he's trying to help his wife remember him you know there's not many things worse in life than feeling forgotten is it but I think the worst thing in life is when we feel like we've been forgotten by God and I feel like that's where some of us are this morning if you feel like you've been forgotten by God that your prayers don't go past the ceiling that, 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 that the hand and the blessing of God has just been removed from your life. Maybe you look around and see God delivering other people and answering their prayers, and you just feel like you're being left out, forgotten by God. You're not alone, because all throughout the Scriptures, we see people saying things like, God, have you forgotten me? I mean, on the cross, Jesus himself said, God, have you forsaken me? But then you see it all throughout the Psalms, for example, in Psalm 13:1, how long, O Lord... Will you forget me forever? And then Habakkuk cried out, How long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. And so maybe you're here this morning, you feel like you've been forgotten by God. God, have you forgotten me in this cancer? God, have you forgotten me in this depression or this anxiety? Lord, have you forgotten about me? in the fact that I've been praying for years that you would give me a, a spouse, Lord, have you forgotten about me, that all I want is a child? God, if I could only get pregnant. Lord, have you forgotten about my family, because my family is falling apart right now, and it's in disarray, and Lord, I've been praying for my family. It just feels like you're nowhere to be found. God, have you forgotten me? Well, the people of Israel felt this way for 400 years. Between the end of the Old Testament in your Bible and the beginning of the New Testament, there's 400 years of silence. So for 400 years, God didn't give a prophet, he didn't send an angel, he didn't give any new scripture, he didn't do a miracle, 400 years of silence from God. And so the people of Israel had to be thinking, God, have you forgotten us? We're supposed to be your chosen people. But they were under, as we learned last week, the the rulership of an evil King Herod. Every week when the Jewish people went to the temple to pray, they saw the Roman flag flying and blowing in the when reminding them that they were under evil leadership and so they had to be thinking god have you died or have you forgotten us 400 years of nothing from god it's it's as though they're saying god it's cold where's your warmth god it's dark in the land where's your light god it's so quiet where is your voice Some of you this morning, more than anything, you just need to hear the voice of God. If you could just leave here today knowing that God sees you and that he hears you, it would remove a huge burden from your chest, and I hope that's what the Lord intends to do. The state of Israel leading up to the first Christmas 2,000 years ago was one in which there were Hallmark movies playing and hot chocolate brewing, but there was quietness and darkness in the land, and it felt hopeless for the people of Israel, because you can only wait for so long. 400 years of no God? You feel like there's no God? And at some point, you're like, okay, I'm is he even there? It seemed like hope was gone, but little did they know, a miracle was on the way at Christmas. So turn with me again to Luke 1. Hopefully, we're there by now for week three in our Christmas series. Today, Christmas according to Zechariah and Elizabeth. This is a big pill to swallow, a difficult pill to swallow because it doesn't seem fair. This is a clear biblical example of which we have dozens that bad things happen to good people. And bad things even happen to God's people. This is not Bonnie and Clyde. This is Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah was a priest. He was a godly man. He's married to Elizabeth. She was a pastor's wife. So you know she's got to be a trooper. Right, her hubby's on call twenty four seven. Her family lives in a fishbowl. She probably feels like she can't measure up to the expectations, you know. And all. so, these are real troopers. But not just that. In verse six, they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. These were good, godly people. They weren't phonies. They they were the real deal. So you would think that because of their obedience to God, they would be experiencing their best life now, and everything would just be roses. But in verse 7, we learn of a tragedy, and the tragedy is that Elizabeth was barren, meaning she could not have children. Now, culturally speaking, in biblical days, the, the greatest dread of every woman would be, the greatest fear would be that she couldn't have a child. There was nothing worse than that in that culture. In fact, many believe if you weren't able to have a child, that was a sign of God's disfavor in your life. And Elizabeth hasn't been able to have a child her whole life. And, and the, the, the tragedy of it isn't simply the absence she would have felt as a, as a woman who longed to be a mom... But it was the social stigma that came along with not being able to have kids. Kind of like uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne's book, The Scarlet Letter, you probably read around 10th grade. Remember the woman had an affair. She she committed adultery. And so to shame her, the whole community made her wear a big scarlet letter A on her chest so that everybody saw, oh, she's the adulterous woman. Well, 2,000 years ago, if you're a woman and you couldn't have a kid, it was kind of like they gave you a, a golden letter B and made you wear it on your chest. Barren. And so people would assume that that you had done something to tick off God, and so he struck your womb and wouldn't allow it to bear children. And so Elizabeth would have, in all likelihood, been in the marketplace at Walmart buying her veggies for the day, and people, oh, there's Elizabeth, the one that can't have kids. I wonder what she did to tick off God. She probably slept around her husband, he's probably That's the the kind of social stigma that anyone would have lived with. And we learn in verse 7 that Zechariah and Elizabeth were older. They were advanced in years. Scholars estimate they were at least in their 60s, potentially in their 70s or 80s. And we see in verse 13, they had been praying the same prayer for years, not for a few weeks or months or even a few years, but for decades, they had been praying that God would give them a child. Oh, God, would you just let us have a child. But all they got on the other end of the line was silence. Godly, righteous, faithful people, God did not say yes to their humble prayers for a child. They weren't praying for a Rolls Royce. They weren't praying for a vacation home in, uh, in uh, Puerto Rico. They were praying for a baby. It seemed like all hope was gone. But a miracle was coming. So let's read on. Verse 8. Now, while he, that's Zechariah, was serving as a priest before God when his division was on duty according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Now, priests were divided into 24 divisions. Each served in the temple two weeks out of the year. And then during festival weeks, they all pitched in and kind of helped together. But this is unique in verse nine because Zechariah has received what was a once in a lifetime opportunity to go into the holy place, not the holy of holies, but right outside of that, to be the one priest alone that at that time got to burn incense at the altar. This was the absolute greatest privilege in the life of a priest. This was their Super Bowl. If they would have been Walmart, this was their Black Friday. This was it. And today we see that Zachariah was chosen to go in by the casting of a lot, which is an interesting detail. Verse 9 says that he, he, he got to go in because they cast lots. It's kind of like whoever it landed on got to go in. So it seems kind of like luck of the draw, right? Oh, well, today's my lucky day. But, but that's not the case. The Bible teaches us in Proverbs 16 that the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord meaning God is even sovereign over the falling of the lots. The bird that falls from the sky, the hairs, even the little details in life, God is sovereign over this. So God sovereignly orchestrates and chooses Zechariah. He hadn't chosen him for 40 days to be able to go in. This is the Super Bowl for Zechariah. This is the day he gets to go in because God has something very special for him leading up to the first Christmas. This is part of God's grand design. Verse 10, the whole multitude of the people were praying outside. At the hour of it. So Zechariah goes inside alone, there on the outside praying. Verse 11, and there appeared to Zechariah an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw the angel and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to Zechariah, Don't be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at John's birth for John the Baptist will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb and John the Baptist will turn many of the children to Israel, to the Lord their God and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. This, by the way, is the fulfillment of prophecy from Malachi chapter four, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Now put yourself in Zechariah's shoes. You and your wife are infertile and have been for decades. You are older there's no way humanly speaking you're going to get pregnant it doesn't work biologically it doesn't work physiologically there's a lot of reasons why it would be an absolute miracle for them to get pregnant but pleasant valley community church we know god always has been and always will be a miracle working god He was then, he is now. There is a man sitting in this room right now who was told by doctors he would not be alive this Christmas. And he is here by the grace of God. Verse 18, And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God. Now we know why the lot fell on Zechariah that day. So that it would take Zechariah being up in the temple in the presence of God with an angel for him to believe his wife was gonna get pregnant. That's what it would take. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Behold, Zechariah, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. That is, until your wife gives birth because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. So Zechariah is going to be mute, meaning he won't be able to talk, and we learn later in the text, by implication, he's also going to be deaf for nine months until his wife brings forth the child. Verse 21, and the people were waiting outside for Zechariah, and they were wondering in his delay in the temple, what in the world is he doing in there? How long does it take to pray? And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And then they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs, doing sign language to them and remained mute. But when his time of service was ended, he went to his house. And after these days, his wife, Elizabeth, conceived. Keep in mind, she's at least in her 60s. And she conceives. And then for five months, she kept herself hidden. Saying, thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Elizabeth finds out she's pregnant. Can you imagine how she felt when she looked at that little pregnancy test? (laughs) Because I'm sure they had, you know, Walgreens 2,000 years ago. And Can you imagine how she felt? So she is so overwhelmed by a baby in her womb, she retreats for five months, locks herself up somewhere for five months, and all she does is worship the Lord. Can can you just imagine the scene, the joy of an older woman now seeing the faithfulness of God come to fruition in her life? I can see her, she's singing to the Lord, all the while, she's making that first little baby blanket. All the while, while she's probably texting Zachariah to go to the sonnet to get her some chocolate-covered uh, cheese sticks because she's got the, the, the cravings and all that because she's pregnant. And then she's, uh, you know, she's, she's painting the baby's uh, room blue. But I, I think that most of all, you know what Elizabeth is doing? She is praising the Lord for a mute husband I mean, could you imagine? Is there any greater gift in the world than a husband that can't talk? She won every, and I heard a few too many amens on that. She won every single argument with her husband for nine months. Poor guy didn't have a chance. Couldn't even speak. What a blessing it was for her life. So in in verse 57 through 66, Elizabeth has the baby. They name him John then down in verse 66, we see that all the people watching this know this is a special baby because normally people her age don't have babies. They know God is revisiting the scene here. And then down in verse 67 through 69, Zechariah, the Lord opens up his mouth. He's able to speak for the first time in nine months. Imagine if you couldn't talk for nine months, all that you would have to say, oh, he's got something to say. And in verse 67 and following, Zechariah prophesies, filled with the Holy Spirit, and it tells everybody the significance of the baby in his wife's belly that's now been born. This is no ordinary baby. Look at what he says, that this baby has come to pave the way for Jesus. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit, prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Who's going to be the redeemer? Jesus is. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. So who's going to be the horn of salvation that comes from the line of David and the household of David prophesied all throughout the Old Testament in places like 2 Samuel chapter 6? That's Jesus, verse 71, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days and you child so it's as as though uh, Zechariah is looking at the little baby boy and he's speaking to him you child you will be called prophet of the most high for you John the Baptist you will go before the Lord and we learn later that is the Lord Jesus you baby you will Go before the Lord Jesus to prepare Jesus's ways to give knowledge of salvation to Jesus's people in the forgiveness of their sins. How is that going to happen? The little baby Jesus will grow up and die on a cross for the sins of his people because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Who is the light of the world? Jesus tells us. Jesus. is the light of the world to guide our feet into the way of peace. Who is the Prince of Peace? Jesus is. So Zechariah is able to talk for the first time in nine months, walks out, holds up the little baby, and says, Israel, we've been sitting in darkness for 400 years, but God has spoken today. God has given us the prophet prophesied back in Malachi hundreds of years ago. This is my son, John the Baptist. He is the last prophet to come before Jesus Christ. When John the Baptist came, that meant Jesus was right behind him. And just a few months later and a few verses later, we find out, Mary is pregnant with Jesus. Now, Zechariah and Elizabeth aren't just giving birth to any little baby boy. They're giving birth to the one who prepared the way for the Lord Jesus himself, which helps us make sense of verse 13. If you go back to verse 13, an angel said to Zachariah, Don't be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Well, what prayer was answered specifically? It wasn't simply the prayer to have a child, though that was part of it. God heard that prayer. But God heard the prayers of the people of Israel for hundreds of years that God would send the Messiah. God heard their prayers. Christ was on the way. Jesus was coming. So this is Christmas according to Zechariah and Elizabeth. And so if we're here today and we're feeling kind of hopeless... If you're feeling kind of like Zechariah and Elizabeth, that maybe God hasn't been hearing your prayers, or if you feel like you've been forgotten by the Lord, or if you feel like your faith is really weak, or if you're just spiritually exhausted, wearing, feeling like you haven't felt or experienced the presence of God in a while, then Zechariah and Elizabeth have been in your shoes. And so I think they would say three things to you this holiday season if you're feeling a little hopeless. And here's the first thing I think they would say. From experience, they would say, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Remember, Zachariah and Elizabeth, they did not pray for a child for a few weeks, get frustrated, and quit trying. They didn't pray for a child for six months, give up, and throw in the towel. They didn't pray for a child for 10 years. They didn't pray for a child for 20 years or 30. They prayed for a child for decades, at least 40, 50, maybe 60 years before God answered their prayers. And then in verse 13, finally, the angel says, don't be afraid, Zachariah, for your prayer has been heard. Pleasant Valley, don't stop praying look at the testimony of Zechariah and Elizabeth and keep praying keep persevering sometimes God seems to be quiet but that doesn't mean that he's not listening just because God is quiet doesn't mean he's not listening so when we pray it's not just asking God for stuff Prayer is worship. When you realize that, it'll it'll change our prayer life. Now, here's why I say prayer is worship. Go back to verse 10. This is the Old Testament understanding of prayer that paves the way for our understanding of it today. Because when the whole multitude of the people, in verse 10, were praying outside at the hour of incense. So one gets to go in and offer up the incense... But the others are outside praying symbolically, sending up their own incense. And then in verse 11, there appeared to Zechariah an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Now I highlighted that word for you because the incense that they offered up to the Lord represented prayers. That is, when we pray. We're not just throwing up a Christmas list of things that we want or need God to do in our lives. When we pray, those prayers ascend. It means they go up as though it's incense or aroma to God. God hears prayers and God answers prayers because prayer is worship which means God always answers prayers because God always wants to be worshiped. I want to say that again. God always answers prayers. Now, let's talk about what that does and doesn't mean. God always answers prayers. He either says yes, no, or later, but he always answers. Now, we definitely don't like number two, do we? Nobody likes being told no. I hate being told no. But when you think about God, listen, he is not an impersonal cosmic deity just floating around in the sky. When you think about God biblically, think about him as father. God is a father. As our father, like any good dad, he knows what is best for his children. Church, listen, sometimes God says no to our prayers because he knows what we don't know. And if he said yes to that prayer, he knows it would do us more harm than good. The most loving thing God can do sometimes to us is say no. Because we don't see the outcome. What we think would be a blessing in our life could be a curse. When he was four years old, I'll never forget it. Our oldest son, James, asked for a machine gun for Christmas. A machine gun. And we said no, not because we don't love him, but because we love him. Friends, we are, we are the children of God who think like children so often. This is why all throughout the New Testament, Paul says things like mature, grow up in Christ. Many of our prayers, we're, we're praying for things that it's kind of like a four-year-old asking for a machine gun. We don't realize that if God were to say yes, it would bring harm and destruction into our lives. And so because he loves us, he says no. God wouldn't really love love us if he wasn't willing to say no to us. But at the same time, sometimes he doesn't say yes or no. He says later. It is very common for God to say later. Jesus anticipates later is a frequent response because there's parables where Jesus says, keep praying, keep asking. He's like, in other words, God isn't necessarily saying no. God may be saying later, so don't give up. Keep praying. Keep knocking. Be relentless in your pursuit of the Father. Ask, and it will be answered. Knock, and he will open the door. Seek, and you will find. Keep on. Keep on. He said later to the people of Israel for hundreds of years about sending the Messiah. Think of how long they they are wandering in the wilderness. Think of how long they're slaves in Egypt. God did not deliver them the first day they thought to pray about being delivered. It it takes decades or hundreds of years at times. God said later to Zechariah and Elizabeth for decades before he gave them a baby. Think about my own dad who became a Christian before he died. I prayed for my dad every single day for over 30 years before God answered yes to that prayer. For 30 years, God was saying later, and I didn't know it. I thought he was saying no, he was saying later. Keep praying. Don't give up on that miracle you've been praying for. Keep praying. Keep believing. Just ask Wendy Cravens. Maybe you saw this in the Messenger Inquirer this past week. I'm quoting from Renee Jones as she writes for the Messenger. At 43 years old, Wendy Cravens never quit praying for a child and Cravens, divorced and living alone except for a dog, horse, and some chickens, never quit believing her prayers would be answered. Somehow, someday, she said, I prayed for a baby for 21 years. She didn't pray in vain because her son, Oliver, recently celebrated his first birthday. And here's her story. In her 20s, Cravens lost an ovary due to a cyst and had a tubal pregnancy that ruptured. She nearly died from the latter. As a result of her medical issues, doctors told her she had a 20% chance of becoming pregnant again without human intervention. One doctor recommended in vitro fertilization, which had a 50% success rate at that time. Cravens told the physician, I will take my 20% in my prayers, and you can keep your 50 50 chances. Fast forward 20 years, life events prompted Cravens to move from Kentucky or from Tennessee here to Kentucky to be closer to her family. So, about five years ago, Cravens, a nurse, started working at Wendell Foster here in town, assisting residential clients. In late October of 2018, some of Craven's co-workers started talking about kids. They asked why she never had any of her own, and she explained, but she said she hadn't, uh, her hopes had not died. Even at 43 years old, she believed God would still give her a child someday. The next day, a co-worker approached Craven's and revealed she was pregnant. She had kept it a secret at work. She had not been able to go to the doctor for a prenatal visit and wasn't sure of her due date. But none of that mattered. She was the answer to Craven's prayers. She asked if Craven's would adopt her child. Less than a month later, Craven's was standing in a hospital delivery room, cutting Oliver's umbilical cord. She said, and I quote, It was probably one of the most emotional times I have ever experienced. She said, God's timing is comical. He blessed her with a baby after a divorce when she was 43 years old. She will be close to retirement by the time Oliver graduates high school, but she never lost faith. She never quit praying. Puzzle of don't stop praying. In praying and studying this week, I really felt impressed by the Lord that, that God may be on the verge of performing a miracle or maybe more than one miracle in the lives of some of the people in this room. I just believe that. And so I think today your faith needs to be stirred up. I can't promise anybody that a miracle is going to happen in your life this week, but all I'm saying is God is a God who works miracles, and He's never stopped being that God. There are miracles setting in this room right now, and it maybe is there a better time of year for God to show up in our lives and do the unspeakable than at Christmas time? Isn't it a time for miracles? So don't stop praying and don't stop believing. Zachariah and Elizabeth would say that to you. They would say, look at our example. If God did it for us, he could do it for you. But here's the second thing I think they would say. I think they would say, if God says no to you or if God says later to you, accept his will and wisdom in your life and just keep trusting him. God said no or later to Zachariah and Elizabeth for decades. They could have gotten bitter, They could have walked away from the faith. They could have stopped believing. They could have cursed God. But instead, in verse 6, they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Were they sad? Of course. Were they heartbroken? Of course. But they remained faithful to God. You have to understand, in that day, it would have been legally permissible for Zachariah to divorce Elizabeth. It would have been permitted because it would have been assumed that she was the reason for the infertility. And it was so important for a man to carry on his name, he could have went and remarried and had another child with another woman. Or, many people in that day, if they weren't able to have children, they would just have an affair. They would commit adultery. There's even biblical characters where the wife said, well, hey, just go sleep with another woman. She'll give you a kid. But Zachariah and Elizabeth, they didn't do that. They remained faithful in the covenant of marriage to one another. They obeyed God. They honored God. They didn't turn their backs on the Lord or one another, even though God said no, even though God was saying later, they kept serving God. They kept trusting God. So maybe we're here this morning and we felt like we've been kind of dealt unkind providence, that life is hard right now. It doesn't seem fair. It feels like maybe God has left us. Maybe God's forgotten us. But Zachariah and Elizabeth, if they were here, they would say, no, look, God hasn't forgotten you. Don't stop trusting him. He is faithful. He delivered us. He can deliver you. Just give him time. He may be saying later, if not in this life, certainly in the life to come. God always shows up one time. But in conclusion, and thirdly, Zechariah and Elizabeth would say to us, God has not forgotten you. I really think that they would say to some of us in this room, and maybe you know who you are by this time, that the devil is manipulating and deceiving you into making you believe God has forgotten about you. And that is a lie straight from hell. The word of God would say, he has not forgotten about you. He appeared to be silent 400 years the people of Israel. And this is really cool. The first person God spoke to after 400 years of silence was Zechariah. Do you know what Zechariah's name means? The Lord has remembered. God performs a miracle and lets an old woman have a baby. And the husband, the father, is the guy whose name means the Lord has remembered. When when they came out holding that little baby... (laughs) that was going to pave the way for Jesus, Zechariah was saying to the people, and God was saying to the people, Israel, I know I've been quiet, but I never forgot about you. I've been here all along. I heard every prayer. I didn't say yes, but I heard every prayer. I didn't wipe away all those tears, but I saw every tear. And as the psalmist says, God has got a big mason jar in heaven filled with tears that he stores up that his people cry. He may be quiet, but he's not sleeping. He sees you and he knows he's not forgotten you. I really think that somebody in this room just needs to hear a simple word from God today. If you forget everything else I've said, this is for some of you what you're supposed to hear. And it is this. God just wants you to know that he remembers you. He remembers you. He remembers you. you. He's not forgotten you. Just because he's silent doesn't mean that he's sleeping. But his timing is good. His timing is right. It's always right because he's a father who also is all-knowing, who can see every scenario and every obstacle, and he sees the things six months from now that we don't see. If God said yes to your prayer today, it would be a train wreck. Maybe. But if he says yes in six months from now or five years from now, it saves your life. God always knows he's not forgotten you. For some reason, it's a day that I've, I've never been able to forget. And it wasn't a particularly traumatic day in my life. It's just forever been edged in my memory. And maybe it's so I can share it with you. It's, it's, it's frankly uneventful. But here's what happened. I was in first grade, and uh, Kathy Eagleson was my elementary school teacher at Trick County Elementary School. Now, you got to understand, small town, small school, one-stop light, all the schools were on the same piece of property. You know what I'm saying? Like Trick so County Elementary, Trick County Middle, Trick County High, all together, same gym, same cafeteria, same everything. So... When I didn't ride the bus, which I typically didn't, um, I would either go across the street to my dad's office because he worked in the Board of Education, or sometimes my mom would come pick me up. So I'm in first grade, so I'm what, six, seven years old, something like that. And we would wait out in the front hallway by the principal's office and the administrative offices for our parents to come pick us up. And so I remember I got there my little L.L. Bean backpack that my mom bought me, and I'm sitting there on the floor waiting with all the other kids for, for mom pickup time. And so several minutes began to pass, and I noticed all the other kids begin to uh, be picked up by their mom, but I was still there. And then time passed, and eventually I looked up, and I was the only kid remaining. And so he's a first grader. You're, you're a little insecure at that point. You know, it's kind of, you feel kind of alone. And I'll never forget our principal. She was a godly woman. Her name was Dr. Davis. And she walked out, and she knew our family. And, and Dr. Davis saw me there all by myself. She probably saw, maybe I looked a little afraid. I don't know. And she said, James... She said, did Miss Martha forget you? And I'll never forget what I said. I said, no, ma'am. I said, she didn't forget me. She's my mama. Mama didn't forget me. You know, sometimes we feel like God has forgotten us. And we feel like we're that little kid sitting in the hallway waiting on him to come pick us up. And we look around and we see other people getting picked up and delivered by the Lord. We see other people getting healed, or we see other people you know, get, having a child, or we see other people get that that perfect spouse, or we see other people get their dream job, and we kind of just look around and say, "Man, God, I, I guess you've forgotten me." But He is our Father, and a good Daddy never forgets his kids. And he is a faithful father who always remember his kids. You just got to keep trusting him. He is on the way. For some of us this morning, he's saying, a little later, but I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm on my way. Let's bow our heads. If you're here, And you feel like maybe today God uh, was speaking to you. Maybe you're here and it's like, man. James, if I'm honest, I kind of feel a little forgotten by God. James, I see God blessing other people around me, but I wonder if he's forgotten about me. James, my hope is weak. My faith is weak. It's hard for me even to hear this message if you're here and you would be so vulnerable, and if you feel maybe a little forgotten by God, would you just raise your hand up so we could pray for you? Okay? See your hands. Now, would you just, I want to ask you to be courageous and just keep your hand up. I'm not asking you to stand or anything. Just keep your hand up. And others, I just want everybody else just to open up their eyes and look, look around you. These people have shown great courage. I want two or three people together around every person with their hand raised. Just lay your hand on their shoulder and pray for them. Would you do that now? Let's, as the body of Christ, minister to one another. Look in front of you. Look behind you. If someone is raising their hand, I want you to gather around, even if you don't know them, and lay a hand on them and pray for them. If they want to take a moment to share with you what to pray, but they don't have to, just just pray for them. Pray that God will reveal himself to them, that God will show them he's not forgotten about them. Pray that as you touch their shoulder, it's as though they would feel the hand of God's presence. Just pray for one another. Maybe there's someone here and they didn't raise their hand, but the Spirit of God is just leading you to go pray for them. You have that freedom to go over to them now and pray for them. Maybe there's just someone here and you know they're struggling. You know they've had a terrible week at work. You know they're having surgery this week. You know their their daughter's not coming home for Christmas and it's ripping their heart out. You know their husband is drinking again. You know they're depressed. And you just feel like God is whispering to you, go pray for them. Don't create a scene. Don't give a speech. Just go place your hand on their shoulder and pray for them. Father, we just pray that you would manifest your presence among us now. Lord, we don't say this in anger, God. We don't say this without faith, but Lord, some some of us in this room just feel forgotten. But Lord, we know that you have the capacity to handle our questions and our honesty. Lord, we think about the Lord Jesus who said, God, why have you forsaken me? We think about the psalmist who said, God, have you forgotten me? So Lord, would you hear our humble prayers like little kids today? Lord, we're all weak and we're all frail. And Lord, would you just, by your Holy Spirit, come and be present. Lord, through whatever means necessary, if it's a hand on the shoulder or just this intuition in our spirit that you're here, reveal yourself to us. God, be present. Holy Spirit, would you fall down like rain? and flood this room with your presence so that the person that feels the farthest from you would immediately feel the closest to you, that they would see themselves as it were in the arms of a heavenly father who is good. Spirit of God, you are the comforter. Would you bring comfort to the weeping, Lord, to the widow that's spending her first Christmas without her husband, Lord, to the children who are spending their first Christmas without their mom that's died, Lord, to the couple that's battling addiction, Jesus, would you be present and merciful? Would you wipe tears from our eyes? Would you help us to know that we're not forgotten, but you're here? Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, Father, would you come and would you visit your people because we need you? In Jesus' name we pray. You can continue to pray as you feel led. Others of you, would you stand? And we're going to enter into a time of singing together. But feel free to continue to pray as long as you need to.